All right, well, welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast, uh, where we talk uh, all things uh, Purdue, and right now we're talking Purdue football. Uh, we'll have plenty to talk about Purdue basketball down the line, but uh, big game for, for both teams this week uh, with Purdue and Wisconsin. Uh, now that the uh, the Big Ten West uh, uh, appears to be a little bit uh, wide open after last week's uh uh, victory by Purdue at Iowa, which brought Iowa back to the pack. Uh, and so we got half the season left to play. Uh, it'll be a race to the finish with a lot of teams matching up with each other. And one of those, uh, this week is, uh, Wisconsin and Purdue at Ross Aid Stadium. Joining us, uh, on the podcast today, uh, to talk about the Badgers and Saturday's game is, uh, the fine reporter, uh, from the Wisconsin State Journal, uh, Colton Bartholomew. Uh, he's, uh, excellent at his job. Uh, he does a, does a great job covering the Badgers, uh, which is a premier beat up there. Uh, so, uh, we, we appreciate Colton's time today. Did I build you up enough, Colton? I really did. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that, Mike. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, let's dig into it. The Badgers are three and three, which is not typically what we see from a record standpoint, uh, from this team. But when you look at who they've lost to, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan, somewhat understandable. But, I mean, they are at the halfway point. What what have been the, I guess, the reasons why they're 3-3, three and three, and was there an opening there to be better than 3-3 three and three for this club? Yeah, you know, when you look back at this first half of the season, I think the prevailing thing or theme that comes out of it is missed opportunities and mistakes because you look at that Penn State game to start the year, uh, I was saying whichever team wins this game is going to go on and build momentum off of it. And obviously Penn State had until they, they lost Sean Clifford over at Iowa. But uh, I think you look at that game, they had a red zone turnover early on and then another turnover on a fourth down in the red zone uh, that uh, sealed the, the loss there. Uh, same type of thing against Notre Dame where the offense is making too many mistakes, turning the ball over. Uh, they finally get a lead early on in the fourth quarter. Then they'll have a kick return, and everything kind of uh, spirals out of there. Uh, so I think when you just kind of look at why they're sitting where they're at, they're, they're not getting the quarterback play that they've been ex- that they expected uh, this season so far. Uh, and then I think tied into that, they're not getting the offensive line play that you would expect out of a Wisconsin team. So a, a lot of things on their offense have kind of, they, they continue to think par things down and kind of get it to a, a base level that they can trust the offensive line to execute. And then now they're at a point where they're asking their defense to keep teams in that 15 to 20 range, and then hopefully their offense can do enough. Maybe they can kick enough field goals with their possessions to, to get to 21 because it's just they're they're not consistent enough anywhere on offense to, to blow anybody out at this point. So uh, they're really leaning on the defense, and I think that's – the mentality they're taking in the second half of the year. They know how good their defense is. Now their offense just kind of has to stop making mistakes and stop taking them out of games at points. You mentioned the quarterback, Graham Mertz. Kind of what has been his issues this year? Uh, There's a couple. I think, number one, the the footwork when there's pressure just hasn't been there. And I think it, it stems from not always trusting that he can get a throw off, even if he's going to get take a hit. And obviously, you know, you go back and look at that Michigan game, he got hit too often, and then it ends up getting hurt. So maybe there was a little bit of uh, a good judgment on his part to not take too many hits. But I think when 
the pressure comes, his feet come close together, and he just doesn't allow his arm strength to get the ball out there. And then number two, there's just a little bit too much of sticking with his first read or kind of predetermining where he's going to go with the ball early on in plays. Um, we, we've seen too many plays so far uh, at Wisconsin where, you know, a second read or a third read coming wide open, but Mertz had kind of just locked in and was was staring the first guy down. So I don't know how quickly that can get fixed. I don't know what that's going to look like in the second half of the year, but I think for him to, to reach the potential, because I think that's what frustrates fans the most, is because they'll see him make those type of mistakes and then two plays later, Everything kind of works right. The footwork's there. The poise and the timing is there. It's a perfect ball. And you're like, just do that more often. Copy what you just did on that play and get it into, into more series. So uh, I think that's kind of where his mindset is at going into the second half and into this Purdue game, knowing he's going to get a pass rush and a defense that's coming off a really good performance against Iowa. Are there any other options for the Badgers at this time? You know, Chase Wolf has played here and there. It's every time he comes in, he turns the ball over too, though. So I just I think that the Badgers see that there's higher highs with Graham Mertz, and the lows are going to be about the same with, with anybody they put on their center at this point. So I think they're just going to take the, take on that gamble of at least with Mertz, we have a chance of, of the better plays than we do with Wolf because Wolf doesn't have quite the arm strength. He's a little bit more mobile, so maybe that would help, but. I just don't think that passing-wise it's enough of an upgrade or um, eliminates enough bad plays that you would bench Grammers at this point. You also mentioned the offensive line, and anytime you bring up Wisconsin's offensive line to, to anybody associated with Purdue, they just they just cringe. It's just right. it's been it's been a bulldozer effect for the last decade or so, or even longer that they have just run over Purdue. Uh, during this winning streak and even going back farther than that. Uh, but this, this doesn't seem to be the typical offensive line. Is that injury related or has some of the maybe talent and pipeline, uh, you know, dried up just a little bit right now? Yeah, I think there's just a little bit of a lack of development for some of these older guys that they thought were going to take a big step forward this year. You look at a guy like Tyler Beach at left tackle who's played quite a bit all over the line throughout his career, and they thought over the last year or so settling him in at left tackle would help him, and they're just not seeing the the production out of him yet. Their interior, for the first four games of the year, they were rotating those guys every about third series, just trying to figure out who their best five were. They've settled on a, on a front five, but like you said, it's not the same type of, of road grading effect where they can kind of just lean on teams and churn out those four- and five-yard runs. And that's something that, you know, everything on offense is tied together, right? That's something where if they could do that, maybe it would help out Graham Mertz where he's not always in third and medium, third and long when he throws. But that's just kind of where they're at with this offensive line at this point. And that's a position where it's really hard to get better later on or as the season goes on, I feel like. I think there's a, always a deterioration effect on the offensive line unless you're you know, supremely talented. So I think the Badgers are going to have to continue simplifying things like I was talking about, just let these guys kind of go straight forward and hope the backs can make the right cuts and reads off of uh, the blocks in front of them because – what they're not getting right now from but in push, they've got to make up somewhere uh, with the backs and breaking a tackle or just falling forward more often. And usually Wisconsin has a running back everybody has heard of that 
you know, was going for 2,000 yards or 3,000 yards in his career. But i got to be honest, never heard of this guy until I looked it up in the game notes. <laughs> uh, Chez, is it Mullis? Uh, Maluzzi, yeah. Maluzzi. I mean, I, I, I had not heard of the guy that much, and, uh, and he's their leading rusher. And it seems like when, when they do get him going, they are successful. But if they can't get him going, they, they seem to struggle a little bit. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So in the last couple of weeks where they've looked a little bit better with the running game, it's been basically a 50-50 split between Maluzzi, who's a junior and a transfer from Clemson. He was Travis Etienne's backup for a couple of years there at Clemson. Um, it's been him and then a freshman named Braylon Allen from northern Wisconsin and Fond du Lac. Um, and he's a 17-year-old. He reclassified from the junior class last season to skip his senior year and come straight to the Badgers. And now he's, you know, the number one B running back. I, it's not even number two. It's, it's right there getting 50-50 splits. And, you know, he's six foot two and 240 pounds and he's really raw. You're going to see it. There's going to be plays where there, there might be a hole where it's not the exact place where the play was designed to go and he's probably just going to run where the play was designed to go anyway. That's kind of the growing pains they're accepting because of what he can do when things go right for him. Uh, he's tough to tackle right now. And he's got a lot of speed. So between Maluzzi, who's got a little bit more experience and is able to hit those landmarks and do things they like in the running back position and the raw kind of power that Allen brings, they're finding enough from that running back position. But you're right. It's not that typical Wisconsin's got this stud in the backfield that they can turn around and hand the ball to 25 times a game and be fine regardless of what the defense does. So uh, it's, like I said, everything on this offense kind of – all the issues kind of tie back together, one on top of the other, and uh, not having that, that star in the running back uh, position right now is, is definitely hurting them. But I think they're going to be able to find enough. I don't know about this weekend because uh, what we just saw Purdue do against uh, the Iowa run game, but I, I just think that the second half of the year, both Maluzzi and Allen, that combination at least, I think is going to be enough to, to power the offense and get them to a point they can at least stay in games, if not win some. What What is the, I guess, concern level from Wisconsin side about having to go against Purdue's defensive front, which I believe is the strength of their defense? And then, you know, you have George Karloff just sitting out there on the edge. But what is the, I guess, have you been able to pick up kind of how they feel about that matchup uh, this week? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that they express concern, but they all know that they're in for a fight. Like, uh, there's a lot of respect and reverence for for how well George Kalafas is playing. And the thing that is really impressive that they see when they watch film, and if you ever watch Purdue, I mean, you guys all know if you're listening to this, you know, Kalafas doesn't always make the sack or doesn't always get the tackle or, or tackle for loss, whatever it ends up being. But his presence, the attention of defense or offense is paying to him. His ability to get in the backfield and make people make decisions that aren't good for the rest of the play, all that type of stuff adds up, and it becomes kind of that wear-down effect. And I know both tackles, uh, you know, I mentioned Tyler Beach at left tackle, and then either Tanner Borolini or Logan Bruss, whoever ends up playing at right tackle, depending on who's healthy, um, they're, they know they're in for a fight, and they know that the too, I, I, in my opinion, too often they get asked to do one-on-one against a really good pass rusher. We saw that against Michigan with Aiden Hutchinson. I think Karloftis is right there uh, with him as the best defensive end in the conference. And I, I'm really interested to see how much they adjust or how much they help 
with guys like Karloftis and the guys in the middle because, you know, you can't go match protection every play and only have two guys in a route, but you've got to do a little bit more than just expecting your tackles to hold up against guys like Karloftis up front all day. So that's 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 probably the chess match key type of deal that I'm most excited to watch on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be curious to see how that plays out as well, and just how how George pl- uh, holds up against that offensive line. Because you mentioned Hutchinson uh, from Michigan, who is who who is a premier player uh, in a, in his own right. But I you know I think George is right there, and George doesn't have the numbers because he's been doubled and triple teamed a lot. Uh, but that, as you mentioned, that's opened up some things for other guys. Let's go to defense on, on for Wisconsin as as much as. There might be questions on the offense. I don't think there's a lot of questions defensively. I mean, this is a good group. This is a good, solid group. Uh, you know, I think they, they have uh, kept the Badgers in just about every game. I know the, you know, you alluded to the Notre Dame game where things kind of got out of hand in the in the fourth quarter with some some pick sixes and uh, kickoff returns. Probably not a true indication of how that defense played, but they, they've been pretty. Uh, would you say they've been pretty consistent and pretty 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 solid this year? Yeah, they really have, especially up front. And that's where I think this matchup is almost trends a little bit toward Purdue because the Badgers have been so good at stopping the run and then where the weakness is is, you know, teams going over the top with pass plays or getting on the edges with the pass plays and then just kind of challenging the speed in their secondary. Obviously Purdue's gonna do that. 50, 60 times a game, and that's just that's how they prefer to play, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that's something that is going to be a really interesting matchup because it's not going to come down to having you know guys like Keanu Benton or Matt Henningsen on the defensive line. I think it's going to come down to how well the outside linebackers, like Nick Herbig, their outside linebackers, having a really good year pass rushing. They're using Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel, their inside linebackers in the pass rush almost every play. Those guys are going to have to get home because the the more snaps that Aiden O'Connell or whoever's uh, behind uh, this offensive line is back there to make throws, and the more time they have, the the more opportunities there's going to be. Because I think this secondary is okay. I give it a B, B minus ish throughout the year so far. They've had some really good competition, like Jahan Dotson in Penn State and Cornelius Johnson from Michigan. But I just and obviously you know David Bell coming up this week, but the the longer they they have to cover, the worse it gets for them. And I think you could say that about a lot of teams, but it's very apparent with this Badger team that if it's you know more than three or four seconds, it doesn't go well for them. So they've got to get home in the back uh, in the backfield and, and really put the pressure on the quarterback because I don't think the secondary can hold up against Purdue's passing game for too long. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously David Bell's coming off that big game against Iowa, which. He's torched Iowa for for three straight games. Isn't that amazing? Like, <laughs> if I was Phil Parker in Iowa, like, I would just say anybody else has to do something. Like, there's three guys on him, and somebody else has to do has to beat me, right? Yeah, I I, I would guess. <laughs> I, I would like to be eavesdropping into these meetings when they when they're playing Purdue, and they say, "Well, how are we gonna how are we gonna handle David Bell this time?" Well, we'll just yeah. keep doing the same thing that we've been doing the last two yeah, games. Yeah, they're all the zone again. They, they won't figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, we're going to – and if we play him man-to-man, we're going to back off six yards and just kind of give him that that uh, seven-yard out and just let him get a bunch of yards after the catch. Uh, so I, that's something that has baffled me and every year they play Iowa. Now, the last time they played Wisconsin, David did come up with 12 catches 
uh, in part because I think Purdue was behind most of the game, so they were throwing a lot, and you know probably Wisconsin was giving giving some stuff up since they had a they had a pretty sizable lead. But how do you anticipate them? I mean, do you do you, do you think they'll follow a similar blueprint to when they played Penn State and some of the other teams that they played with some really good receivers or? Do do you think they need to do something a little bit different uh, as opposed to maybe earlier in the year? Yeah, I think they got to be a little bit different, but they really love how Fayon Hicks, their senior corner, is playing number one. Um, and I think they're going to trust him not every single play to go man to man, but uh, when they're playing man, I think you're going to see Fayon Hicks against David Bell quite a bit. And the thing that's different where I think Purdue does a really good job getting Bell open is they don't ask him to go downfield every play. They get him those plays where he catches, you know, between five and ten yards and then runs after catch, like you mentioned. And that's something that this Wisconsin secondary hasn't seen a ton of. Uh, it's It's been interesting how teams have attacked them where they're not asking their quarterback to be efficient. They're not asking, you know, for long drives, you know, 10, 12 drives. It's been all big plays or punts. It's just a, it's a really, maybe it's just a credit to how well the, the the Badgers defense is playing. But I think Purdue is going to have to come in with a little bit of a different strategy. Where yes, David Bell can create some of those big plays for you, but I think he's more dangerous. Like what you were talking about, shorter catches, catch and run, having be you know the best athlete on the field, which I think he will be uh, on Saturday. So I wonder how the Badgers are going to try to play that because I think Fayon Hicks is their best bet when they go man-to-man. But Cedar Williams is a little bit of a bigger corner, a little more rangy. He can, I think he's a little bit better of a tackler when it comes down to it. So maybe you have to get him on David Bell a little more, bring a more physical challenge. I think Jim Leonard has shown throughout the year that he'll mix things up just enough to try to get offenses on their heels, but at the end of the day, he's going to go back to what he feels best about, and I think that's, for the most part, been Fayon Hicks on the number one receiver, so I think that's going to be a great matchup all Saturday. What was Paul Chris's reaction to Purdue playing three quarterbacks in, in one drive? In a 10-play scoring drive, they had three quarterbacks take snaps. Yeah, I think it was a lot of, okay, so clearly they like what all three of those guys are doing, right? And they, they all bring different strengths. And it, it's something that Wisconsin's seen a little bit uh, throughout the year. Like we saw uh, multiple quarterbacks against Michigan, and Eastern Michigan did the same type of deal. Um, it's really a challenge to, I think, the, the players on the field more than the coaches kind of knowing who's out there and what type of things they're trying to go to with those quarterbacks. But I, I love that Jeff Brown was doing that because I think all three of their quarterbacks have shown parts of their game that they deserve to be out there. But I, I do believe that Aiden O'Connell is their, their best option throughout the majority of a game. But I, I love that they're adding that wrinkle of, hey, we're going to mix up the quarterback every now and again and kind of put you on the heels that way. Well, that was born a little bit out of desperation because Purdue has struggled so much in the red zone to score right. touchdowns that, and, and they've struggled to run the ball to, in a traditional manner. That Jeff was looking for just something that would give them a little bit more of a, a ground attack, and they got yeah, get, yeah. getting that changing. That, Jim Leonard mentioned mm-hmm. that, like when the other guys come in, they change the math in the run game. Like you can't just eliminate the quarterback and you're eleven on ten. You're eleven on eleven again when the other guys are in. So I know that's something that they're really dialed into and trying to make sure that 
it, it, they do. That Purdue has to be one-dimensional because I think as good as they are passing the ball, if you let Purdue run the ball effectively, I know they've, they've struggled with that, but if you let them run it effectively, there's really no stopping what they're doing. Right, because then you got to take another body or two and pay attention to the run, and that, that leaves some of their receivers and their tight ends in a one-on-one situation. What are going to say? I mean, right. Purdue, Purdue, Jack Plummer and Austin Burton rushed for a combined 30 yards against Iowa. It doesn't seem like a lot, but when you haven't cracked the 100-yard mark as a team uh, only once this year, and that was against a really bad UConn team, uh-huh. those 30 yards were big last week for Purdue. They just they just were they were just big rushing yardage that they didn't have the week before the week before that and it just it did probably open some things up in the passing game especially when uh, you know Plummer and Burton came in but the the one I guess the one next wrinkle I'm waiting for is to see how much do they start throwing with Plummer and Burton as opposed to O'Connell. Yeah, I'm with you, and I think anytime uh, this is something that I've I've been writing about the last couple of weeks that Wisconsin's not doing enough with their offense. But anytime you can get a defense out there thinking about your tendency, and then you can break it, I, it's just the, that's the most advantageous offense you can have if you're not having you know Alabama level talent out there, right? So uh, what I think Wisconsin's issue is they, they've been so limited with their offensive line in pass protection and some of the other things they like to do. They just leaned on the, their basic run game. Like right now, they're at about seventy percent on first down running the ball. And even though the, the, the yards per play will tell you that they're way better passing on first down than any other down, they just continue to hammer this run game. And uh, I respect it to a point where you're trying to establish the identity. But I think that's what Purdue is going to eventually do, and what Wisconsin needs to do as well is they're going to change what you think is coming and get defenses to you know make mistakes and overcommit to certain things because they're you know kind of assuming or guessing too early and that, that's I think one of the more fun things about watching these teams and watching these games because I think college football does that the best of kind of changing what you see week to week and play to play with certain offenses. Right, we're visiting with uh, Colt Bartholomew of the Wisconsin State Journal, looking at Wisconsin, Purdue's opponent Saturday at ross Stadium. Uh, now I want to get his take. I just, you know, Purdue's win at Iowa kind of threw the Big Ten West into into chaos, and uh, I love chaos, and it does seem like the Big Ten West isn't the Big Ten West until you have chaos. So I think we have chaos right now. doesn't mean we'll have chaos the rest of the second half of the year, but as we sit here today with half the season to go, who are the, who do you think are the legitimate teams that can, that can make a run at this title? Uh, when you look at schedule and you look at, uh, all those kind of things, who in your mind, uh, sh- should be there at the end as we sit here today? Yeah, I, I think it still starts with Iowa because of how, wh- how well that defense has been playing and turning the ball over and, I think there's some argument to be made of how some of those turnovers were born out of luck and, you know, some mistakes on the other side. But the way that they coach that defense is everybody's looking at the quarterback and is able to jump routes. So at certain points, you're, you're making those plays yourself. So I think they're going to figure out enough on offense to still be in this race. And I think they've got some huge matchups, obviously, with the Wisconsin game next week, and then they still have to play Minnesota, too. But I think you start with Iowa. I think, obviously, Purdue, with already having beaten Iowa and now having a chance this weekend against Wisconsin, if Purdue's able to win this, obviously, I think they're in the driver's seat because I just don't see them losing 
against anybody else they've got on their schedule if they're able to pull this week off. So I, I think those are your, your top two. And then I think this this next two-week stretch for Wisconsin really determines if they're a legitimate contender or not because, you know, you have to if you are a contender, you've got to get down to West Lafayette and you have to win that game. And I'm not saying that's going to be easy, but that's what has to happen. And they've got to get a win over Iowa in Madison next week. So I think those are the three teams. I know Minnesota was able to beat Purdue, but I just the way that they they're trending injury wise, and I don't think they're getting enough out of their their passing game. They're doing enough run game wise, even without Ibrahim, uh, but I don't think they're getting enough out of their passing game to beat some of these top teams. Uh, that they're going to have left. They've obviously still got Iowa and Wisconsin on their schedule. So I think we're talking about Iowa, Purdue, and Wisconsin, and they're all going to have to kind of figure it out in the next couple of weeks here. I would put Purdue third on that list right now just based on who they have to still play. They've got Michigan State at home, and they're at Ohio State from the east. Oh, I forgot about Ohio yeah. State. Excuse me. Yeah. That's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, I mean, but I, you know, you it, there's a formula out there that tells you that the the Big Ten West winner probably will have two losses. I mean, right, that, yep. that's that's probably going to happen. But you know, I think Purdue's up against it from a scheduling standpoint. Even if they would win the rest of their games uh, against the West teams and 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 Indiana, you know, your Michigan State and Ohio State on that schedule really really uh, puts a roadblock, I think, up for them. But you know, who knows? You know, maybe maybe the Iowa game spurns Purdue into a winning streak and. Uh, then they can maybe get one of those games. But it's a, it's a very tough schedule for Purdue right now. I'll tell you, I think Michigan State's right for a loss. I think they were outplayed against Nebraska, and they came away. Obviously, they made a big special teams play to get that done. But I think that they're riding pretty close to, you know, a couple of things go wrong and they lose. And obviously, they've got a gauntlet coming up in their right. schedule as well. So I think that they're going to be – they're going to come back down alert a little bit from this incredible start they've had. Right. Uh, joining us today on the podcast, uh, Colton Bartholomew, Wisconsin State Journal, does fine work covering the Badgers. Uh, Colton, throw out your Twitter handle in case people want to follow you during Saturday's game and, and beyond to get some Badger news. Yeah, sure. CBartWSJ, so C-B-A-R-T-W-S-J. Yeah, so give him, a, give him a follow. He'll keep you up to date on what's going on. And, Colt, appreciate your time today. Uh, safe travels uh, here to West Lafayette, and uh, we'll see you Saturday. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks, Colton, for joining us today on the podcast as we preview Saturday's uh, game against uh, the Badgers. Uh, you know, Purdue, as you should be aware, uh, they've lost 14 in a row to Wisconsin. Uh, they have not beaten the Badgers at ross Age Stadium since 1997. So there's a couple of uh, significant streaks on the line. Um, I'm, I, this is probably um, the best chance that Purdue has had uh, in the last decade uh, to beat Wisconsin. Uh, I would guess, um, even though they've, you know, some of the the way some of the games have played out, they've had a better opportunity. But going into this game um, this year. I, I think that uh, this is probably the best chance Purdue has had uh, in a long time to uh, to beat the Badgers and in, in that losing streak. Even though a few years ago the triple overtime game at Ross State Stadium, Purdue was up, I want to say, 24 to 13 or something like that and had a chance to, uh, to end that streak then but didn't. And then obviously that game went three overtimes. 
Um, and there was another game a couple years before that. I think it might have been Jeff Brown's first year where uh, Wisconsin got up 14 nothing, but then uh, Purdue held them to a field goal the rest of the way. But Purdue could only get field goals that day. Uh, they ended up with nine points, and they blocked a punt but couldn't get a touchdown. Uh, so it was uh, – uh, they've been in some games with Wisconsin, uh, but I believe this is the best opportunity going into the game that they've had to beat to beat the Badgers. And it doesn't sound like they're the vaunted offensive line that they've had in the past. They don't have that marquee Jonathan Taylor-type running back that will run all over you. Uh, but they're still – they're still good enough uh, to, you know, come in here and, and run the ball effectively. Now, Purdue has not completely shut down the run this year. They have given up some yards uh, during Big Ten season. You know, the Illinois freshman kid, uh, you know, had 150. Now, Iowa didn't run the ball that effectively, uh, especially in the second half, but they had some yards in the first half, especially on their scoring drive. Uh, so they've, and, you know, Minnesota didn't churn out a bunch of rush, rushing yards uh, in that game. Uh, you know, but Purdue has still given up some yards on the ground, uh, and that's something they have to be really leery about. But if they can get the same kind of pressure on Graham Mertz that they got on uh, Spencer Petrus last week, you you like Purdue's defensive line to win that matchup. And you know the the offensive line of Wisconsin. They're a little bit banged up, uh, and you know how much help are they going to give uh, to to the people trying to keep George Karloftis out? Uh, so there's a lot of lot of things there. And you know Purdue last week was you know I didn't, I didn't view last week as a as a kind of a, a big game type must win for Purdue uh, because they were coming off the loss to Minnesota. Um, you know, they had a chance, you know, worst case scenario, they're going to be three and three at the midway point, still needing three wins in the second half to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, but the way they played, how they played, um, you know, and how they, how they kind of shut down Iowa and then executed the way they did offensively, uh, against that defense. You know, Purdue, Purdue's now at a point, I think, where they need to back up that Iowa win and, um, you know, stack good win after good win. You know, you beat Iowa on the road, you need to come back and beat Wisconsin at home, uh, a team that has given you all kinds of problems over the years through so many different coaches uh, that, you know, this this probably should be the moment where you back that up, where you, you string consecutive wins together against two of the better teams in the Big Ten, Two of the better teams that you're chasing in the Big Ten West to just to prove that that you belong. And as you know, as we've mentioned throughout the the season and in, and into the off season, you know this is year five of Jeff Brom, and you know this was going to be the time when you know when this all started five years ago that by year five, year four, year five that Purdue would be a uh, be part of the conversation on an annual basis of winning the Big Ten West. Well, that that hasn't been the case. I think, you know, his first year w- was a good year. Bowl eligibility, they were in the conversation up to a certain point. The next year, uh, they were still in the conversation up to a certain point, uh, but then dropped off. You know, you know the, the, the three years ago, it was, 
um, you know, the injury, the injury riddled season where they, they never really got on track. And then last year, the COVID year where they, they start 2-0 but lose their last four. But this year, at least now, um, you know, at the beginning of the year was just, in my opinion, it was just getting the bowl eligibility, trying to find six wins out of that schedule. Um, you know, they're sitting with four now. You know, obviously they need two more and, uh, you can't, you, you take nothing for granted. But this is where the program should be in year five of Jeff Brom or, or any other coach, to be honest, where you're in that conversation for the Big Ten West as you, as you hit the halfway point that you're a legitimate contender to do that. Now, even if Purdue would win out, which is highly, uh, unlikely, Based on the schedule, they would they would still need some help because they, they lose a tiebreaker to Minnesota. Uh, so Purdue just can't win every game and then win the Big Ten West. They would need some help. But you know the bigger point is that Purdue is in the conversation for the Big Ten West and needs to stay in the conversation for the Big Ten West. Uh, and that means you got to win Saturday against Wisconsin. And this is you know kind of the time is right to do that. It doesn't mean you're going to win every game. The rest of the year. In fact, Purdue likely will not go undefeated the rest of the year. But I, I'm not sure all the Big Ten West teams are going to go undefeated the rest of the year. As I, as I mentioned during the podcast, I think uh, you know I think two losses probably wins this thing. I think two losses at least gets you a share. Um, and, and who knows? Things could get really wacky, and you could have three a three loss team. You know, tie for the. You, know, you could have multiple teams with three losses tie for the Big Ten West. But you know this moment. Maybe wasn't supposed to come this year, but it, it has arrived now where, you know, this is a chance to kind of take this situation and run with it and push your program forward, push this team forward, and just stay in the conversation for the Big Ten West and just kind of play this thing out to the end. You want to be there going into that last weekend with an opportunity to, to win the Big Ten West, tie for the Big Ten West, or whatever, you know, that, that should be, in my opinion, the goal. I don't know if you express that to the team or you, you lay that out. I just think internally, when you look at progress with the program, that if this team can get to that point this year where you're going into that last week playing Indiana and you've got an opportunity to, to win the Big Ten West, tie for the Big Ten West, you know, Maybe you've already wrapped up bowl eligibility by then. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of the next step that needs to be done with this program. And it's, it's got, as I said, I, I think it's kind of been a, um, a surprise thing right now. But now that it's here, you know, you, you got to run with it. You got to go with it. And so we'll see what happens uh, this week against uh, Wisconsin at uh, Ross State Stadium. Three o'clock kickoff. Little strange kickoff time, but still, none, nonetheless, three o'clock is the kickoff. Weather should be good, uh, good fall weather, and uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Uh, well, we appreciate you stopping by the Boilers Extra podcast, brought to you by. Well, still don't have a sponsor. I thought I'd get a last minute sponsor, but but I don't. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by. We'll be back after the game Saturday to recap what we saw and and kind of what's next for the Purdue team after what transpires at Ross Aid Stadium. Thanks for stopping by and have a good day.